0: Welcome to episode 259 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright, guys, welcome along to episode 259 of I Am Talk with Coach John and Bevin James Owls. How are you going? Good, sun's shining. Happy times. A oh, Beautiful day yesterday, man. Yeah, it's nice today too. And you know what? John and I are getting back out on the bike today. Yes. For, for a few hours after this. We're gonna crank this show to get it
1: get it done, dusted, get out there. We've got twenty minutes to get get our news done.
0: Well, what I do have to say is that this show is gonna be a little bit echoey. Um the studios are getting a new carpet. Mm. And which means I've ripped up the carpet in my bedroom and it's we're in an empty room right now, isn't it? a jail cell in here but um, so it's a little bit echoey today sorry about that it will only be for this week to so you guys know I Talk is proudly brought to you by supply.com for the world's most five year anniversary coffee athelinks.com they're a longest sponsor aren't they yes and, and ethics yeah. is number two I think so number two sponsor of the show of all time and extreme endurance number three our newest sponsor our newest sponsor Extreme Endurance okay guys in this week's show we've got a bit of news we've got some good news actually and then we've got this amazing interview who's probably the biggest legends in this sport that's right who are they John? Ben and John ben and John we've got good old Tom from Marathon Talk and he's actually done an interview with us um, just kind of because it's our fifth anniversary so we kind of thought that'd be kind of cool to get that on there and uh, so you will uh, put that on pretty soon and then that's pretty much the show really isn't it we've got, yeah. a, and then we've got a,
1: ch- a chat with Challenge Cape Town oh cool um, yep. just had a chat with Grant we are supposed to get him on last week um, he was smoked last week uh, so we couldn't get hold of him but is on this week and uh, just sick. tells
0: us a bit about the course Okay, then, uh, good times, rock and roll, John. So we had, what's, what's the result? We had some results. We had Ironman, South Africa.
1: I think the highlight of
0: this set of results
1: here, Chrissy Wellington had the fastest runs for the day.
0: Yeah, how about that for unbelievable? Awesome.
1: And so how'd that happen, John? Well, it looks to me like the guys drilled the bike yep, um, and, and, ran, and ran okay, but not, didn't run electric. Um, and Chrissy... Had an amazing day, as you ex- as you expect from her.
0: Um, okay, here's her the question. If really we're hard. talking about Brett Sutton, and we're saying he thinks she's smoking herself too much in unimportant races...
1: I, I would t- tend to agree with him. Um Yeah, like, she probably... Like like, would, okay, I, 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 she was 40 minutes in really front.
0: Hard. I think she had the win. Yes. Yeah, you know, like, love Joycey, but she was definitely miles ahead of anyone else. So does she need to be running a 252?
1: I don't think so. Uh,
0: I mean... Yeah, I mean, a lot of us, it's, it's hard to... No, I mean, often we all,
1: we all go for excellence. We need to get her on. We haven't had Chrissy on we'll, for ages. We need to get Chrissy back on. And she's probably aspiring
0: to be as fast as she can possibly be. What I'd love to know is how close to the edge is that for Chrissy? Because, you know, yeah. the girl's a freak. The girl's yeah. a phenomenal, nominal, nominal athlete. I just made that word up. She's a phenomenal athlete. And so, you know what? That might be 80% for her. Mm-hmm. Could be.
1: Um, well, I, doubt I, I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, I think we look at her kind of performance... The year we were there, and that looked like she totally smoked herself and from Brett Sutton he was saying you know when she was in rote that totally smoked her as well so I think I think she's the kind of person that really does push it Yes, there might be a little bit extra in there if she was chasing somebody down, but I wouldn't think it would be um, huge huge
0: so what's the, what's okay so if she is smoking herself all the time in the key races now, what is the implications Well, perhaps
1: shorten her career. But um, perhaps it means she doesn't peak as well as she could do for Kona. You know, if she's, she goes, right, it's all about Kona. I'll do these other races because I need to do them.
0: But then again, this is miles away from Kona.
1: Yeah, yes and no. I mean, uh, you know, you do an Ironman, Um It's now, what, do we start in April? It's going to take her a, a, a month or so to fully, totally recover from it. And then you know you st- you be straight into your, your Ironman build. She could be using potentially could be using this period to maybe address whatever weakness she has, and um, maybe she's doing that. But who knows? I mean, um, whatever happens, it's a, it's an amazing performance. So Chrissy's times were 51.40, which was actually a very good swim for her because like Joycie is one of the best swimmers in the sport. She was only 51.06, so that's a great swim for Chrissy, only be sort of 30, 40 seconds down. Four forty-five on the bike and three uh, two fifty-two on the run from eight thirty-three fifty-six. I have to say, Easy course record. Joycey had a great day as well, but she did. Um, I would almost expect her to go a bit quicker than that on that course, okay, given it's so it quick. quick. Okay. Um, so Joycey was in second, swam 51, 5.02 in a 310, and so a three ten. So good Linda? balance race. Uh, I don't think Linda was third. Um, um, okay, we will do this trick here. I'll do this. You trick keep about okay, girls only. So, you know, when you look at the guys' time, Joycey was an hour behind the first guy. Oh, and no. I think she'd probably be a little bit quicker than that. But hey, she might be at a different stage in her build up. Diana Reesler. Diana Reesler was second. Linda Granger was only s- sixth. Oh, yeah. So good racing there from um, third through to sixth. Only eight minutes covering third it. Through seventh.
0: Through seventh. So good stuff. Go, good. Chrissy. We, yeah. need to get, we haven't had Chrissie on the show in a while no, Chrissie gonna... you need to come back on the show
1: well I'll get in con- I've got to get in contact with her in the next week or so so I'll, I'll get her on yeah because it'll probably be a downtime
0: for her now so, yeah, so. ok Reynard Tissing took out the men's race and so a good 3 minute win over Andreas Butcher Butcher um,
1: and he was from memory he was leading Kona last year but as Mac has said the results only tell part of the story tell me John so um, Marino Van Honacker was running uh, apparently with Reynard Tissing on the run and then pulled out Oh. Um, at apparently like a 26k mark. I'm not sure if he was still with him, but um, he was running with him. And also apparently Luke Bell was pushing the pace on the bike. Not sure at what stage he pulled out. So the results only, do only tell part of the story. But great win for Reynard Tissink. I mean, um, he finished fifth, I think, fifth, sixth, something like that, in Cone last year. And, um, you know, he's, he's 38 now, and you'd think he'd be coming to sort of the, the twilight of his career. But the last year or so, he seems to have got a new lease of life and it's really smoking it, and they really pushed the pace on the bike. You know, four nineteen—it's smoking, is isn't it? Very, very fast, and which is probably why they didn't run quite as fast as they might have otherwise. Do you um, think Chrissy gave him shit? I'm sure she would have. Thank <laughs> God, I'd be all over it. Um, Andreas, I mean, um, on Thorst—If you want to check out Thorston's try ratings, you can go back to one of our other shows. He was not expected to come in anywhere near that quick. Um, but I think he's a, a, a man to be uh, To watch He's a very good strong swimmer And had, a, had a, just a good balanced day And James Kanana Who we expected to be up there Been in great form He was in third place So Course records Galore
0: Okay what race is this John We've got the 70.3 Ooh. from Texas and Oh okay Big It race. was
1: one of the um, Bigger paying races 70.3s Which is why it drew A strong field And um, Chris Lieto mm. Wow yeah, so I think that's what a lot of people are saying. Chris Lieto won the race. You would expect him to be right up there. But, yeah, but smoke the bike. Smoke the bike. 202. That's awesome. But then for him, a one sixteen fifty six. Oh. Uh,
2: oh, the builder's here.
1: I'll, t- I'll t- 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 you t- talk you. talk, i will going talk to my lawyer. So he took that out. And I think the main thing there was uh, was an exceptional uh, run. And whether he can maintain that over a marathon is, is still to be seen. Uh, so he ran a one sixteen fifty six, and Rasmus Henning came off the bike thinking he might be able to catch him but he only ran well, yeah, not only, he ran a one fourteen forty seven, which is still pretty solid um, but it wasn't enough uh, time to catch up to Back. Chris Liado, and Timothy O'Donnell had a sensational run, running a one eleven. John, you're a legend. I don't even know what there. you're talking about
0: now but you just kept it flowing. And it was just a good field Terenzo, Did you talk
1: about Rasmus? Yes you talk about Terenzo? Terenzo came in fourth and uh, it like, faded a bit on the run. And Frederick Van Lurde, who won the Abu Dhabi race, apparently, he was going head to head with uh, Lieto for a good period on the bike and then faded a bit. That's one thing about Chris Lieto, he seems to really. He on strong and rides, whether it be Kona or whether it be here. Yeah, he holds it. He, well, he, he controls it, and then he attacks late in the ride when guys are fatigued, the yeah. and then he just goes from being a small gap to being a massive gap.
0: Okay, so if we look at something like this, can we can compare this to an Ironman and say, "Well, look, now he's more of a threat because he can pull off a good run." Well, he's pulled
1: off good runs before. I remember last year he had a sprint finish with Corey somewhere, and so half marathon is really different to a marathon, especially for those guys that are a bit bigger like him yep. um, to, to hold and the lead a well. marathon. You know, someone like Bjorn Anderson as well took. Before he runs a good half marathon, and he potentially could run a great um, half Ironman, but when it comes to an Ironman, I just think he's too big, yeah. um, and that may be an issue for Chris Lieto But he's not over it. I mean, you know, if all the guys, the con- a lot of the contenders in Kona this year are going to be right in there, you know, Leiter's thirty nine, Craig Alexander must be ballpark the same sort of
0: age. Ham Brown's 38, 39. Magna turns up. He's going to be similar sort of age. Kat Morrison, good old Kat Morrison, good friend of the show. I'm looking forward to interviewing her and Karen again. She's At a good chick. 118 on the run. 118. It was a sensational run,
1: um, and she needed to do it to take the win because she was a little bit down off the bike, um, but very impressive, 406. Angela Nath. Nath and Karen Thurig, the machine cyclist in third place.
0: Okay, that's uh, Ironman. 70.3 Texas. Okay, is Armstrong doing Kona John?
1: Apparently not. Apparently there's a tweet this week on his yet one Pebbleau one ball. Yeah, one ball that he's uh, looking at doing the Chicago marathon. Has he really
0: only got one ball? Yes. I love that we know I'm that. pretty sure. That's, that's a lot of information about yeah. someone, isn't it? Yeah. I've got two just uh, for the I've record got two yes <laughs> uh, so apparently he's not racing Kona and that's that okay John John's ITU update so Sunday John sat in front of TV all day didn't you and Belinda did it as well oh wow likes even it. Joe watched it I didn't even watch it and Joe watched it for grandad it's
1: great so World Champ Series great stuff great racing um, girls race um, was, was interesting because well they all came off the bike the bike was pretty boring I was fast forwarding the bike that was pretty boring. What do you mean? Because
0: yeah. you use your your, you your team box, box.
1: <laughs> um, and, and so then the girls the run the run. You expect Emma Moffat to, to come through and smoke them. She exploded and uh, got smoked, and it came down to a you know really good were, the ten thousand meter race basically. And the girls were just dropping off one by one, and it came down to the last k, and it was sort of Andrea Hewitt was flailing off that just just couldn't quite hang on to the front, and then it basically came down to more or less the last couple of hundred meters. Finlay took it from uh, last year's winner um, what the hell her name the um, girl from Chile uh, can't remember her name now um, she got second we don't remember second or third we were the girl Finlay won it very oh, impressive if you want your name on the show you have got to win she's only a very young girl both of them are very young girls so okay what about the guys race guys race was very entertaining Run Dancing You see The Brownlee You're thinking Right The Brownlee is just
0: going to So wait a second Up to the run What's happened So uh,
1: the, Swim bike b- b- Whatever Swim whatever Bike the, There was a break at the front And then it all came together Started raining Bit of carnage on the bike Gomez crashed on the bike Oh no to, He's out He's gone you crash. He crashed It's the end of the race He had to work his way back Managed to time trial Back on Just sat on the back of the, the pack Which was about 50, 60 big Um and then onto the run, um, the Brownlee, two Brownlee brothers and um, the Frenchie Haas, David Haas, just drilled the first K or two. You might hear a lot of banging in the background. It's not going to be good effects, is it? <laughs> no. Oh dear, we might have to wrap this up a bit quicker. Um, and they were just drilling it. First K, you think it's going to be just the same old story as last year. Brownlee's just going to kill everybody. And then one by one, guys started managing to bridge up and, and got back on. So like Tim Don got back on couple of other guys got back on and again it ended up being a bit like a 10,000 metre race of strategy and then coming into one of the turns it was, was raining reasonably solid and it looked just a bit slippery and then um, Alistair Brownlee just completely legs out from under himself did it too sharp on the U-turn beginner's mistake Oh, rookie, out, rookie mistake Slammed down pretty hard and uh, and couldn't get back into it and then it really just came down again like the girls race it was just a war of attrition over that last um, couple of Ks and Gomez came from being about Good 20, 30 seconds back off the bike to running through the whole field. He was last, basically, to start the run, ran all the way through, caught up the front, and then just applied the acid in the last few k's and just dropped everybody. Very, very impressive. So Gomez took it from the younger Brownlee, and then third place, I think was David House. Very good racing. Okay, uh, good news, no mecha. No matter, and, and uh, his name didn't appear there, and in the ITU are pretty specific about how you get into races, and so when he initially did say he was going to get a wild card, I was like, mm, maybe he is, but um, yeah, he didn't, didn't either get a start, whatever, he wasn't on the start line, so he's just going to have to go and accrue points at lower level races where he will get a start, and, and hopefully he'll have enough points for later in the season to, to see what he's like on the World Champ Series. Concern for Japan? So the next round of the uh, ITU series is in Yokohama, and there's quite a few people concerned about having to... They're almost being forced to go over there to race because they need the points for Olympic qualifying. Yep. And it's obviously a bit of a delicate situation, you know, going swimming in the water. Yokohama is only about 300 k's away. So understandable that there's a bit of concern there. And, uh, yeah, but apparently the
0: event is going on. Okay, we've got one more piece of news. What is this? Oh, apparently there's going to be a race in St. Louis... Obispo County
1: in California apparently WTC have been out there checking it out there's
0: an article in the paper Jim Adams sent it through so check out it could be an Man coming that way it was looking actually, it was actually looking pretty good wasn't it based mm. on that article okay John last week's discussion oh, one other piece of news um, just about camps and stuff apparently <laughs> it's multi-sport it's not going really okay.
1: camp and it's going to be on later this year if you want to check out their iron camp go to PyreneesMaldiSport.com 690 euros inclusive of everything except flights and lunch it's basically the closest you can get to sort of doing a a mini sort of epic type thing but at a a, a, there's all sorts of levels there um, but it's not the epic camp but it's going to be some awesome riding through the Pyrenees seriously
0: it's a great great camp honestly you can't go wrong with those guys get on it okay John's first sponsor we're trying to do this fast because AIDS is going to be the longest show of all time Maybe we want to go for a ride and see, see the bangings, bangs. yeah. But the banging doesn't happen for the rest of the show because we've already done the interviews. Coffeesofwhy.com. The reason we want you to support them is because they've been our first sponsor. They came on board pretty early, didn't they? You're relatively early. <laughs> Albert's a good man. Should we record this later on? No, no, we'll be right. <laughs> um, so Just stay closer
1: to the mic. <laughs> Coffees of Y. <laughs> been with us for a long time. One of the reasons why the show keeps going is because they've been on board and it means that Bevan and I can make it a little bit out of the show um, yep. so really need you guys to support them because they're great supporter of the sport. They put on the coffee out of Kona as well so yep. just do good things and it's a good product. Use codes, go to imtalk.me, click on the Coffee Civil Wire logo and it'll take you through to all the discount codes.
0: Okay, just a uh, uh, discussion of the week? Start. You want a discussion of the week? Nah. Just quickly say it. What would you rather see, an hour of ITU wrap-up or an hour of IM talk? on I mean, I IM... So racing. So what, uh, if there's a, an hour show on
1: TV, it's ITU, World Champs Series, or it's just an Ironman race, what would you rather watch?
0: Fifth <laughs> year anniversary, the best show ever. <laughs> okay, let's. I'll put some music in later on. I will put some music in now. Righto. So we actually got an interview with ourselves, but instead of us talking about ourselves, we managed to get good old Tom from Marathon Talk. Now, for those who don't listen to Marathon Talk, it's a podcast which is similar to this with him and Martin Yelling, and um, and they put on a podcast every week. They it's basically focused on marathons. They're doing some really really great work. So if you are looking for another podcast which is you know in this area that the endurance sports I highly recommend you check out marathontalk.com and get it on itunes.com but Tom's going to interview us right now
1: and there's no banging during the interview
0: yes the banging stops now we'll be a little bit at the end <laughs> okay here we go here's Tom and us okay.
3: five years ago I was wandering through an airport an Amsterdam airport in fact and I was looking for things to listen to uh, and I had a I just got into Ironman, and I was doing my first Ironman later that year in Austria. And so I downloaded this thing that then was called Ironman Talk. I didn't have a clue what it was going to be about, and, and little did I know that over the next five years, Ironman Talk and John and Bevan would take me through every step of my Ironman career on the bikes, on the long runs, through the highs and the lows. They'd have me laughing out loud as I'm running down the road, and all this crazy stuff. And and here I am speaking to them about their show and about them five years later to celebrate their five five five-year anniversary so guys thanks for having me on the show oh thanks thanks for thanks for interviewing us (laughs) 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 honestly well it's an absolute pleasure now let's kick off before your first ever show which was 9th of april 2006 but before then tell us a little bit about yourselves i know bevan you've come from a fitness background john you've come from a from an elite triathlon background but you know what, what were you like before you came into our world John, you can start. Well, I'd come back from the UK in uh, late, what was it, about late
1: 2004, I think it was, um, and basically that's when I started up my coaching business, um, so I started in the UK and then brought it back over here, and uh, first year back was, was sort of training up for Ironman, doing my first epic camp over in Australia, so came back to... Ironman New Zealand 2005. Um, that was my first serious crack, and then really just got stuck into the coaching business side of things. And then um, I think it was the following summer, sort of met up with Bevan and um, trained together, getting a bit of help with the coaching side of things. And um, yeah, since then it's really just been carrying on with the coaching business, and, and had you know, lots of little side projects uh, going on. And, and this has obviously been one of them, which
3: has been um, you know, taking up a good a good half day each week, which has been great. <laughs> Look, you competed at quite a high level, though, John, didn't you? I know you go on all the time about beating Peter Reed that <laughs> that famous time. So, come on, what was some of your what was your career highlight from your triathlon days? Because you were a serious triathlete, eh? Well, I was definitely. Well, I would say I was a third
1: tier pro. You know, I was um, what I'd classify as national standard, but chose to go and give it a crack internationally. So, you know, my highlights in my career were probably um, when I had a bit of a breakthrough, finishing third in the New Zealand champs, and that was. Cameron Brown um, passed me with about a K to go on the run and um, and I beat some very, very good guys then and that was basically the springboard and I went overseas after that race. Um, so I came up sort of through the junior ranks and I was one of those guys who wasn't particularly talented, um, but I started triathlon at a, at a young age. I started from about, uh, I think I was about 15 or so, and I had a swimming background prior to that. So often we talk about our chronological age and triathlon, and you know, once you've got 10 years of experience under your belt, you're sort of hitting your your peak performance. So I hit that at at a younger age than other guys. So you know, I've talked about racing with guys like Bevan Doherty and Chris Gemmell and, and beating them regularly as a junior. Um, and it's just because they were they were really at the early stages of their career and I was much more mature athlete than them and they were miles more talented than I was, but they were going through all those mistake periods, you know, blowing up on the run, pushing too hard, training too hard, doing this, that and the other thing, um, whereas I'd sort of mastered all that stuff from fairly early on so yeah no I've got you know my career I was really happy with it but highlights were yeah we've definitely beaten Peter E had some great races (laughs) in Asia um, and and had a couple of seasons in France as well so
0: I think also for you
1: is the fact you got to live that experience oh totally and at the stage of your life when it doesn't really matter, you know, I was uh, I think I basically finished uni and went straight into it, so at the age of 22 so living off the bones of your bum wasn't a big deal and so you just sort of went from race to race, picking up a little bit of prize money, whereas if, for the guys that are, say, trying to do that in the Ironman career these days, if you're in your late 20s and you're mm. trying to sort of kick on with life it's it's a lot harder, so yeah, I sort of hung up my boots in about the ni- end of ninety nine. Basically I think that race against Peter Reed was my last uh Good one to finish on last one basically <laughs> finished on in a serious way for short course and then had a few years sort of in Hong Kong and a few years in the UK and mm-hmm. and then came back to it sort of about two thousand and four, two thousand and five. So that's me.
3: Rob Bonney, one of your listeners Rob Bonney says do you miss it, do you miss competing in those ITU events? Oh, I do and I've really enjoyed getting back
1: into them in the last couple of years even though I'm at a lower level um, I still you know, I judge my efforts on the fitness that I'm at and you know, I love doing sprint distance races you're going head to head, you're going as hard as you can you're, off, you're, you're racing against people whereas Ironman you're generally racing yourself, um, you are aware of what other people are doing but you've got to be so careful on what you're doing until the Late stage of the run, so no, I love it, and um, and that's probably what I'll be doing for, for the next few years is in terms of triathlon. It's just the short course stuff.
3: And Bevan, you, now you're a bit of a celeb in the fitness industry, eh? Oh, yeah, I'm super sorry to tell you, you know, <laughs> my mum thinks I am. So come on, tell us about you. You before you know, before you met John, maybe you know. What tell us about your early athletic stuff and, and what did you do really before Ironman tour?
0: See, I was I was actually I was never really an athletic kid. Like I was good at athletics, but in more team sports, I was a good rugby player and a good league player. And then I kind of went through this druggy alcohol period of my life in my late teens where I kind of just very self-destructive, and sport was the thing that got me back on path, so um, exercise was the thing. But my focus at that time was more gym-based work, so I kind of started working as a group fitness or an aerobics instructor, and um, I I, I suppose for me, fitness is all in life has always been that thing that's made me try to find the best version of myself, and um, through group fit... it's a a great job because you're dealing with people and music and and movement like I'm really passionate about it but I always you need your own challenge and so for for the first few years of group fit I was trying to challenge myself within the gym and then I started to look outside the gym so I started doing some bike races and I did a marathon and, and I was I did quite well at these, you know, considering I was like a newbie I did quite well at them but I still didn't feel challenged by them, I was kind of like you know, these are, you know, I did a marathon and I think I got like 15th and, and I didn't even feel that challenged by it and I remember a mate of mine just turned around to me one day he was my physio actually and he just said look if you want a challenge, you need to do an Ironman, and I kind of thought, well, okay, I'll we'll sign up and do an Ironman." And so I, uh, I signed up and did Ironman New Zealand, and it must have been about 2003. Mm. And uh, I just, I just, it killed me. I, mean, I remember just the last 20 k's of the run. I did, the, you know, the classic Ironman mistake. I remember I did because I didn't use a coach, and I just, I remember I did an 11-hour training day two weeks before
3: the race, nice. which is smart. <laughs> and and I just blew what up was, What was that 11 hour trading day? Oh, I think I did a Like a 20k swim or what was it? Yeah and I think I did I think I <laughs>
0: swam an hour but I rode for like 7 and then ran for like 3 or something stupid like that it was just stupid but um, but I remember just it broke me you know and it was the first thing and physically that you know maybe in the other areas I could have aimed to be faster but it was the first time I just thought wow I'm on dead but at the same time I kept going and I found that really appealing so the last 20k's of the run like my legs were so much cramped that if I bent my knees, I'd literally fall over. So I was running straight legged in kind of a semicircle. It was kind of weird, but. Um, we'll, we'll do a demo of that in kind of this year. That's right. Yeah, when we're doing a transition race. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, and I remember just thinking, wow, like I loved the fact that it pushed me so hard, but also I was able to go through that. And that was just really appealing to me. And so, um, you know, that's why I kind of became addicted to the sport. You know, I've always, for me, Sport or any, any pursuit in life is more just about me trying to figure out the best version of myself and uh, at and th- that moment in my life Ironman was definitely a light that opened up that I thought well this can help me figure that out so
3: yeah and, and then uh, Pete Newing says how did you guys meet how did you get together you said you didn't work with a coach then was it a coaching relationship we thing
1: was, we were out one night and
0: you doing?" I looked across the bar and oh, I was just me <laughs> No, what actually happened was I was seeing a coach by the name of Mark Elliott who is Bevan Doherty's coach still. Is, yeah. yeah, and he's one of the high-performance coaches in New Zealand, and um, I was definitely not the high-performance athlete, and because uh, like, I'd often email him or ring him and say, hey, it's Bevan here, and he'd be quite excited. And then when he figured out it was the other Bevan, he wasn't so excited. So, <laughs> um, But I was using him, and he just got too busy. I think he got a high-level role, mm. um, and I was just some pleb to him, basically. And then at that time, uh, he recommended John, so I checked out John's website, and it was funny because the thing I found maybe go to you was the fact that he had a qualification vacation, like, yeah, the New Zealand, you know, tricolor, which is actually really easy to get, yeah. but for some reason, I thought, wow, this guy must be good, so I just emailed him for some coaching advice yeah. at first. I can't remember, to be honest. Yeah, well, I was probably just unpleb to you, but then, <laughs> the good thing was, was um, John lived in the local area, and we, we, we've always lived quite close, mm. um, from that first night at that bar, <laughs> and... Um, But also, we figured out pretty quickly that we're of similar ability. You know, John was a lot better swimmer than me, but we could kind of cycle together and run together. And
3: so at that time, we kind of pretty much became training partners as well, didn't we? Yeah. And so, you know, it's obviously the the podcast then came out of that relationship. Whose idea was it? What were your thoughts around okay let's do a podcast because it was new then I mean when when we started Marathon Talk there were lots of podcasts out there you know I already listened to I've been listening to you guys for years and it was very well known but you guys were kind of pioneers really then when I downloaded it to my iPod well you were when I downloaded my iPod I didn't even know what a podcast was and I was pretty tech savvy back then so it was kind of a a fairly left-field idea, really. So how did it all come about? I didn't even know what an iPod was. <laughs> <laughs> it still doesn't. <laughs> um, well, I'm
0: a bit of a geek, um, and I, I'm what you call early adapter, so I kind of tend to know what's happening with... And when I was training, I just... I always needed something to stimulate me. I always found long rides boring. Didn't like talking about the other <laughs> long rides. <laughs> no, because when I like in that period when I wasn't using a coach, I was just trained by myself, and I pretty much rode in one direction, turned around, came back, and so I found podcasts pretty early on myself. Um, and I remember just thinking at that time, um, after I met John, and I, and I kind of remember just thinking that the entry to to getting into the production of podcast was actually pretty basic, and it was something that I could do, and I, and I just saw that no one was really doing anything decent with triathlon. There was one, there was one that's called I think the Art of Try, um, or I can't remember, no, Zen, Zen of Try or something, and I think that they were they were doing a good job, but other than that, no one was really doing triathlon well, and so and especially not Ironman. And so I kind of thought, well, if you position yourself on the market, you could position yourself just as being the Ironman show, and you know, we could be the one that could own that market, and so I just went to John. And I said, "Look, mate, there's this thing called podcasting. Let's let's give it a try. Well, it's pretty cheap to get into. Like, it was, I think the initial cost is only like a thousand bucks. Yeah, it, like that. it was pretty cheap because I already had all kind the, of the geeky gear, and." um So I said let's give it a try We'll aim for a month You know a couple months And we were kind of Literally thinking We'll get a couple people From Christchurch eh? You know get the local Athletes listening And uh, so we kind of just Like if you go back And listen to our first show It's pretty bad Yes It's pretty poor And so yeah And John was keen Yeah and I think We both work
1: well together Because I'm quite a Structured person Yep And we fairly quickly Just ended up Coming up with a structure, yeah, that sort of we, that we we stick with today. I mean, we've always had And We didn't even bits. define that, eh? It just kind no. of you're doing this bit, I'm doing that bit, yeah, eh? It. Yeah, because as we know, Bevan likes to wing it a bit, and I like to sort of have at least a lesser <laughs> bit of preparation. Um, and it's just it's, that way just works for me. I just go through each section each week and go right. We're going to do that. We're not going to do that. Chuck it in,
0: and um, it's just an efficient use of time and. And I think it helps the show to flow fairly well. It's interesting because I know for John leading into it, because we didn't really know what the show was going to be. I'd listened to a few podcasts, so I had the concept of, you know, you have a segment, you talk for five to ten minutes around that, and then you move on to the next one. But I know for John, he was really concerned that we're going to run out of content in the first six months, Mm. and that was a real concern for you, eh? Yeah, because there's only so many coaching
1: segments you can do, and there's only so many ways you can tell people how to do a long ride or how to do a brick session or how to do running drills so yeah, that was a concern but and that's again how the structure sort of encouraged me to thinking well this could really work because we just kept adding in different pieces and, and I think probably one of the breakthroughs for us was when we managed to get listeners to start contributing to the show yeah. because that added a lot more content and also reduced the time load for us to be looking into things and researching things you know my list of bookmarks on my website for, for websites is you know, maybe I look at fifteen websites for news and stuff, but then everybody starts sending in these websites of the week and age groupers of the week, and that just adds content in it. and it. And it meant we went, you know, we, we often probably would used to struggle to maybe get to an hour, and now we've really got we're
3: generating most. we to keep it under an you know, hour and a half. We, we cut things because um, we can't fit them in So yeah, yeah it was um, uh, Nick Morales, one of your, one of your listeners, the Juicinator. Yeah, try um, Yeah, he sent in a few questions. Uh, he said, "Did both of you ever imagine that your show and?" Your bond would have lasted this long with each other and the fans. I,
1: I had no, I, I again, I had no sort of anticipation in terms of how long it would last. I didn't really, didn't really think about it. Yeah. So I just you still don't really. No, yeah, it's, it's just not kind of happening. And 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 I think people seem to think you know we put a huge amount of time into it, and we do. But thankfully, we actually get a little bit of compensation for that these days. Yeah. Um, but, and that's what sort of keeps it going is you know, we both love doing it but if we were to keep doing it on a voluntary basis then it would be, it would be tough for the amount of time we put into it um, but I don't think either of us really looked into it at the time as being a big money making venture and something we were going to take over the world with yeah. um, but I, I just like it how it's we're, we're putting
0: something back into the sport um, as well and, and that gives me a good buzz. It was interesting, like for me I remember the first, I think it was the second show and I got an email from someone from Mexico and that was kind of mind blowing to me you know, the fact that, it was the first time I realised how big the internet was because I think as a consumer of the internet, you realise it's big but then when you actually you know, you're actually producing something in and putting it out there being a content creator you actually realise how massive it is and how much you can touch your world you know in, in our triathlon touch world touch the world touch up <laughs> feel the world um, but you know and so for me it was like I didn't know it would become what it was you, you don't really go into it with that you just kind of go in with a week to week plan and um but, it, you know, like it's, it's pretty rewarding. Like we're pretty fortunate. We get emails every week from, you know, you guys listening to this, you know, just saying how much you love the show and, and, and just, I don't know, like when you go around, when we've traveled with it and stuff and you get so much, you know, praise and, you know, people love what we're doing and it's
3: really, really rewarding. So it's pretty great. I mean, you know, I thought when I first, well, not when I first, even after years of listening to the show, I kind of thought you were just a couple of Kiwi guys in a shed speaking to a couple of hundred people, kind of a few in Britain and a few in in, in New Zealand. And and I I loved it, but I thought it was quite small. And then when, when you and I had that conversation, Bevan, about when we were setting up our show and you blew my mind with some of the stats and it, that really opened my mind to, to kind of how, how big that that was and Tom Hibbard one of your listeners says how many listeners do you have now and which countries do they come from and as an aside have you ever been approached by a commercial entity with an offer to buy the show
0: we, we have around somewhere around 15,000
3: yeah.
1: downloads a week and it depends how you judge things like you know if you, if you go to a, news, a magazine or a thing like that they say you know that we've got a readership of this, this many so you know, we, we know a, a lot of people who couple of people listen to each download so it's somewhere in that sort
0: of region 10 yeah. to 15 thousand um, and we're definitely in like we're in like 130 countries based on Google stats so like, and I think that's what's really interesting if you look at media nowadays like if you look at the old model, the old model was you know it was expensive to produce content and distribution was really hard to get into whereas now we live in a time where it's cheap to produce content and distribution's really easy and you're finding that you know like in the old days on the big TV networks they would, or on the big radio sessions they'd never have a triathlon show because it's just too niche whereas what's great about now is that you know 15,000 people around the world have this community with us and like you if you're with Marathon Talk you know <clears throat> you guys we, we have these communities that we've built and it's, it's just an inside thing that we know about but it's just people who love I are listening to the show, and so it's you know, it's we're tapping in. There's a community, it's real niche. And you know, again, if we look at old models, our, our numbers wouldn't justify putting on a show like this. But you know, with us, that you know, two guys in, the, in my bedroom, you know, <laughs> with, my, with my Mac and a mic, like it's it's pretty viable to make it work. And you know, and ultimately, you know, we do have like when we go overseas, and you know, people are going high five or get a car to us, and you know, we there is. And that's probably, for me, the most rewarding aspect of it, the fact that there is this strong community around this thing we do. But also,
1: I sort of judge often where our listeners are. Obviously, we've got the stats online, but when we get the jersey orders, and I'd say a lot of them do go to the UK. That's probably, by far, the people who order the most jerseys. And then, you know, basically, obviously, all the English-speaking countries, but then we get a lot, um, you know, like Thorsten, the guy who does the, the, the tri-ratings thing that we talk about the last few weeks. Um, he's, yeah, yeah. You know, he's in, I presume he's in Germany. So we do get quite a few sort of in continental Europe and um, in Asia and stuff so it's it's not just the English speaking countries
3: obviously it's English is the international language these yeah. days so um, it seems to be spreading a bit further which is great yeah. and how is it in New Zealand are you, guys, are you guys, do you have more listeners in New Zealand than the UK, we almost I know you're from New Zealand but we almost think of you as as a UK thing here because you're so kind of so much part of the, the Ironman community in the UK that we almost kind of treat you as our own and yet I would imagine you probably have more listeners in the UK. Norman White size. Oh, you, no, uh, How's more. your choice? How's your show changed the sport and image of Ironman distance racing in New Zealand?
1: Well, I think that perhaps we're not as technolog- technologically savvy down here. Like, not as many people in New Zealand would listen to iPods a lot because or I think podcasters. a big part of that is because we don't have the commute often in New Zealand, which I know a lot of guys listen to on their commute. And our well, climate, fine, John, yeah, and our Shut climate up. is a bit more moderate, so we don't do as much indoor training. Yeah. so I think, you know proportionally it's probably not too, yeah, you know, pretty similar, but I, I I get a feeling that we're, we're
0: bigger outside of New Zealand than what we are in New Zealand. I think we're big within the triathlon community in New Zealand. Oh, yeah. You know, the people in the triathlon community obviously know, well, most of them, but, you know, all, all know of us. Um, but, yeah, I think generally, and, but we've got definitely more numbers than other countries. But when it comes to um, how have we influenced the sport in the country of New Zealand, I don't know if we have a lot. I don't know if we can claim to have really been a huge influence on Ironman in New Zealand. I wouldn't have thought so. I mean... Uh, I think, you know. If anything Maybe we've helped challenge Yeah You know With the Wanaka race I think we've definitely Helped them with some You know And it's and not because We're biased And I think sometimes I worry that People may think We're a bit biased Towards challenge But we'll, we'll give Challenge a hard time If they deserve The hard time But at the same time, um, you know, they are doing a good job. And, and you know what, we're always quite fair to IMA New Zealand because we think they do a great job as well. But as a brand, I I do feel that Challenge is a healthier brand than WTC. Um, But I think maybe when Challenge first started out, um, you know, we definitely helped point people's energy towards, you know, that race. and So maybe in that way, but I don't think we've been a huge influence. I think one of the goals that I sort of have a
1: little bit for the show is to help... Um, pros become more well known so just by us doing the results every week you know people are hearing the names a bit more regularly and so your second and third tier pros actually get their name out there Um, so I think that's that's a really important thing for me is is so people know what's going on and so it's not just the Macca and Crowey show you know you do hear about the other people so in that respect you know maybe guys like Keegan Williams who a lot of people may not have heard of before we've talked about him a bit on the show had him on
0: Gina Crawford obviously you know um, we've had her on a show so maybe in that regard that's a small thing we've done I suppose if there's one other aspect as well is we have helped people and this is probably internationally but also in New Zealand be exposed to some of the great minds of our sport um, you know some of the interviews we've had you know with like the power dude you know and M. we get we get. you know like the show does have a mix of you know the comedy and, and the fun stuff but we do there is actually a side of it that does help people grow as athletes and um, and so you know if anything we've i'm sure we've opened up people's mind to some of the approaches they can take to their training so
3: in that way yeah we could probably take some claim to that yeah yeah i remember you interviewed a a, a podiatrist guy a couple of years ago a kiwi podiatrist yep. guy yeah yeah that's it and i like i listened to that and i I completely changed the shoes i wore and end up buying mizuno shoes because nice. of some of the things he said and, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you know so it really you know that that did you know really really work um uh, Rebecca Joslin says, uh, "Thanks for five years of running entertainment. Who's been the, the most difficult or annoying person you've had to interview, and which I mean, inter- interview did you enjoy this, the yeah.
0: most?" You can go for it. You know what? It was Mark yeah. Allen, and, and not because Mark yeah. Allen's a bad person or anything, oh, yeah. and, and not. It's just because <laughs> Mark. No, 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 no. no. It's not, there's no judgment on Mark Allen. It's just Mark Allen must do a billion interviews, and he just pushes play and rewind, and he just pretty much says the same thing in every interview. And we were really trying to not have that interview where he just talks about. The Kona and the gods, and that, and he just came on and he just did that. And you know, that's cool because that's what works for him, so it's not nothing against Mark Allen. But I found it really frustrating in an interview because our listeners, and we did get some people who said they enjoyed that interview because, um, you know, because they hadn't heard his stories. But most of our listeners had heard, you know, the god story and all that kind of stuff, and for me. I wanted to go, I wanted to get deeper into Mark Allen and we, he just didn't really open that door for us and I found that kind of frustrating.
1: Well, because I, I totally agree. Um, the first time I heard the interview, not that we did, but I heard him talk on a radio station in New Zealand called Radio Sport and I heard basically the same stuff he talked to us about and I thought, oh, that's awesome, yeah, wicked, yeah. and talk, talked all about
0: 89 and how it happened and then, yeah, just heard it again. So. Um, and, 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 and it was just really interesting because when you interview people, we like to keep, you know, you guys listen to this, we try to keep it real casual and just to have conversations conversations with people, and we have some questions we're working around, but it's really just a conversation and with him, it was just really come on, and I'm going to say my bit, and we just say yes, and you kind of just be there <laughs> and, um, and it was, you know what, for the people who haven't heard his story, it's a brilliant story, so there's definitely value in it but our listeners are hardcore Iron Man people, so most people have probably heard that story, and he's got so much like, the guy knows his stuff, and you know, everyone has so much respect for him we wanted more of that from him, and um, you know, maybe if we were to get him on again, we'd probably say, you know, maybe we can go down that path, it was maybe our fault for not being clear about that, Mm. so. I think some of the more enjoyable ones, um I remember well. Obviously,
1: Belinda um, Granger, I enjoyed chatting yeah, she's, she's good value, and, and I think it probably comes across the people we enjoy interviewing, like Bevan does Macca really well. Yeah, I do um, And whenever we get Chrissy on, she's always um, good fun. So it's just the people that. But happy even, put like Crowley,
0: like what I liked about interviewing Crowe was Crowy' is a real thoughtful man, and uh, he, you know, like you like he really, he, like you'd ask him a question, and and he'd be really put a lot of deep thought into it, and I really enjoyed. that But then you've got the fun like Hillary. And yes. this guy, like, we've we've got, we've got great personalities in our sport, and generally, it's pretty rare we get an interview. Where we go, "Oh, that was hard work." Like, it's probably one in every. Twenty, mm. we're getting into guy a bit of a, a bit of a bugger, but most, of them, and, you know, even our age groupers that we've interviewed, they've all been really great, and um so you know, we're pretty lucky, really. like to Tom him.
3: Williams, man, we've got him on the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's a hey, I'm I'm easy, I'm easy. Now, mm-hmm. the other day, I saw Macca tweeted about one of your interviews, and it must have been one of your highest profile interviews, maybe, and that was Brett Sutton. Yeah, and you know, it's a difficult thing for people who are putting on a show uh, in terms of do we do we have someone on do we not have them on do we agree with them do we not i know we've had criticism before on marathon talk for not arguing with people if we maybe didn't agree with what they said and you know our, our thoughts are more along the lines of well you're giving this person a platform to, to air their thoughts and people can make it what they will i really really enjoyed the, the brett sutton interview but but i imagine you have a kind of contrasting opinions from your audience Did, how, what was the feedback like on that
0: do you know what, you know what it, was a, it was a challenging interview for, I don't know if I'm just going to talk for John here, but even for myself, because John sent me through the link of the article, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the Guardian did a piece on him and they did, you know, it was kind of what happened and, and, and he sent it literally before we went on, you know, did the interview and I read it, I was oh like, God. <laughs> um, and, and so it was a, it was, it was a moral dilemma, wasn't it? Yeah, and I, I thought we'd get a lot more criticism than we did. Yeah, I think on the, some of the blogs, on I mean, the forums out there, I know some people were critical... Not so much of us, it was really interesting. They were more just they didn't want to listen to him. Um so it wasn't that they're necessarily critical of us. But uh, yeah, it was it was one of those hard ones where at the end of the day he is such an influential person in our sport and there is a history that none of us really like, but um do we choose to avoid that? Yeah, was just, we obviously chose to go with it. And also I think
1: yeah, I, I mean, I sort of tried to just put it to a side and think, well, so many people want to hear from him. They want to know what's going on inside that team and why they are so successful. And there's been nothing really written. I mean, there's, there's lots of speculation about the types of things they do, but um, it is all speculation. So I was just keen to hear what it is actually like inside there. And, and it's something like I'm keen to, to persevere with, with some athletes that have been in this program And in, in terms of, we obviously heard the success stories, but there's obviously a lot of ones that um, just get pumped pumped through and it doesn't work for them. So. Yeah. It was difficult, but um, I think in the end I'm happier that we did it than, than, than
0: the, lose the opportunity. The interesting thing is, that it is that most downloaded show. Both uh, by, by He actually overtook Mac's interview, so, um, and that's in a short period of time, so it's obviously been a pretty successful show, that one. The interesting thing, just as a, a side note, you were saying about not being critical, the one person I wish I'd be more critical of was Bob Babbitt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because he really towed the WTC line, and we were just you know we have so much respect for the guy you know he's the voice of the sport and you know and and i think we're we because we respected him so much we didn't really argue some points which we Mm. as we're doing the interview we both disagreed on Mm. and uh
3: that was interesting wasn't it yeah yeah so let's talk coaching for a second Sean Sullivan says, results-wise, who's a better coach, John or Gordo? It would have to be me. Sean, <laughs> <laughs> just...
0: you just <laughs> ask a stupid question here, mate. Ask. Just... There's no such thing as a stupid question, but that is a dumb John one. was my coach, and I beat Gordo up the top of the hill. Hey, there you yeah, go, Gordo. There you go. That's
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 Fantastic. There's, there's gone. So many coaching styles out there, and um, and and the way I do things doesn't work for everybody, and the way Gordo does things doesn't work for everybody. So it's
3: just yeah. going to find what, what works for you. How, how's that whole? The, the, the whole. Um, uh, I've lost the name of it now you're the coaching Epic Camp sorry how's the whole Epic Camp developed I mean I've, I have I've was never fortunate enough to go on an Epic Camp but I kind of always wanted to and then I kind of missed the boat I guess I, I gave up triathlon before I did but I remember listening to the first few times when you did uh, a show from every day of Epic Camp mm. And it was amazing, just living this thing every day. You'd kind of t- you'd turn on iTunes and download this thing, and, and it was just amazing. All the characters and the personalities, and you know, and everybody. What what was Epic Camelipe? How how was that experience? Well, I can, I, I, I,
1: the first one for me was probably the the, first, the only chance that I really experienced Epic Camp because I was there as an athlete and, and I went into that very green, you know, I come from a short course background, hadn't done much riding at all so I probably think I felt like most people do feel going into Epic Camp I was quite nervous, I was looking at these distances going, man I've only ridden like 180k a couple of times and, 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 and I'm doing this every day but you really I found with that camp I really grew into it and um, was a bit cautious early on in the middle of the camp I just remember a couple of days myself and a guy called Spencer Punter we went out and did you know I think we did 200k's two days back to back together and just went out there in roads so if that was probably the only chance that I really think I experienced Epic Camp um, and it gave me a huge boost you um, know I went on to do Ironman New Zealand I'd, I'd only been back training a couple of months and went on and had first up great race I think I got 10th so it was was really pleasing Um, but since then for me Epic Camp has more been about the organisation work doing it loving it but I've always been riding on going right this so there. Who's, who's, who's at the back is anybody what's going on the front this idiots attacking me I'm not happy about it madman mad Lord, mad Lord is sitting on the front going like 45k an hour is this really necessary on day two um, so I, I think um, I, Bevan probably has I don't know what his first experiences were of epic camp but I think that first one is a unique one and then probably the main memory for me now is going to be um, the length of New Zealand camp you know that was um, a once in a lifetime that's not going to happen again and luckily it was Screened in New Zealand here um, last week on TV, and lots of people saw that, which was great. So that was that is definitely something that I'm going to um, cherish for the rest of my life, really. But, Bevan what was about your first experience? Because you were
0: probably a bit further into Iron Man than I was. Yeah, I, you know what? It's one of those things that. It's just such an amazing. It's interesting when I think back of this show. I think back when I'm an old man, and I would I probably won't listen to the show, but I think I'll listen to the implicate interviews because, as you say, there's something about it that there's so much drama, and it's, it's like those interviews, especially the one when Brandon and uh, and Mike were kind of taking on each other. We kind of made it, you know, we kind of sold it to you know make it more interesting. But at the same time, there's it, it, just. It's just a real test of character, and a test of character in every kind of emotional way you can think of, and that really appeals to me. I, like I love those tests of characters in life, and um, and and, and I, I admittedly physically I didn't actually struggle a lot because I was pretty sh- super fit at those. Th- like I did struggle, don't get me wrong, but I wasn't. I, I came into it, and I was probably one of the strong guys on the camp in my first one, so. Um, it was actually the last one I did which was like a shorter camp and I missed the first couple days when I wasn't training so much I did I couldn't keep up with the top boys on the bike anymore and you know that's when I started to it was a bit more of a mental challenge but it's, it's, it's really hard to describe but it if you ever want to experience something that's just going to test every side of your personality but in an environment that's positive and about supporting each other you know because sometimes you put yourself in those places and they can be a negative experience whereas the great thing about Epic Camp and this is probably the, the best thing about it is it's not the miles it's not the it's they seem to attract great people and um, and and these people seem to show the great side under stress. And sure, there were moments where a couple of people were being idiots, but generally, you know, everyone was was pretty amazing. And you, the kind of bond you can make with those people, it was pretty great. So for me, that was probably one of the highlights. So If anybody wants to get on the last, no, there you go. The the last, last
1: one, if <laughs> Camp France, we've got spaces. Just email me, and it's in August. And we've just basically booked all the accommodation. We're doing it's going to be awesome. It's going it's to be on awesome. No Donkey Kong.
3: Uh, Grant Callahan says Bevan what was the reason behind you retiring from Ironman competing it was it was it was really hard because we, we decided not to
0: talk about it much when we could did we because <laughs> we kind of thought well we could be Debbie Downers and kind of say all well, the bad things about, well, not the bad things about Ironman but we kind of consciously decided not to put much emphasis on the fact that we were pulling away from it um, but for me it got to the point where you know Ironman is, especially if you want to be a, a half decent guy you know it's very very consuming and um, I got to the point in life where I just felt there was not much more growth unless I was willing to make some huge changes and those changes would mean leaving my daughter, um going overseas, it would mean um, giving up a career that I'm very passionate and and I've got a pretty good level of success in. Um, you know, and those kind of things I love a lot and so was Iron Man more appealing than that? No, ultimately it wasn't. And also I was never gonna be good enough to make or any kind of real money from it, you know, I might have been able to scrape through and have a cool life experience. But for me, the next level of growth required me to make some big life choices. And I've never been the kind of person who just wants to hang around and keep doing it and turning up every year just to, you know, clock a nine and a half every year. For me, I've got to keep growing, and and I just thought. I saw where the growth was for me to move forward but it wasn't realistic based on those things that I wanted to maintain in my life so I thought well now it's time to pull away from the sport and then move towards you know other areas that's where I got back into my music and I've been doing some sport so I've still got the physical challenge but for me ultimately if I go back to my earlier point is that every activity I'm doing in life is trying to help me find the best version of myself and once the growth kind of stops
3: I I identify that it's time to maybe move on and that's really what I did with Ironman and Okay, so if we take the podcast as a a similar kind of thing and you're you're developing and growing all the time, I get the impression, well, I certainly hope that's a much longer thing, a much more long-term thing, but it's certainly very challenging. Tim Tansley says, what's the nearest you two have come to a major fallout over the show?
0: You know what, we never have. No. We've not even had an
3: argument, eh? Hey? Well,
0: we've
1: had a few quiet moments where I sit here and I'm seething going, Bevan, what have you done? Like, if he
0: hasn't, if we're supposed to be interviewing somebody. No, but like, little disorganisation things, because yeah, he's anal. Right. But, <laughs> <laughs> but There's been a couple of times when I didn't get the Skype name with someone or I got the time wrong, because John generally organises that, and the times I have, probably 50% of the time I've cocked it up, so um, John gets a little bit. But really, that's the, the, the extent of it. We, mm. Like John was saying earlier, we just work so well together. There's not really anything to be negative about. No. You know? we don't
1: have any tough decisions. If we, you know, we decide on sponsors, we just go. Do we want them to be involved, or do we not? And, yeah. and, and there's there's no big decisions. Like if, I guess if we got really really big, that's when things might could potentially get complicated. Yeah. Like But I can't. You know, we just enjoy doing it. It's not. We love doing it. But it's not our main thing every week, you know. It's not our. It's not our. If we don't do it, we don't. We can't eat for a week. So it's um,
0: yeah. Which I suppose takes a lot of stress out of it, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. I think the other thing as well is John and I. Our personalities work really well as a team, you know. Like. We have both got doing this like I know I'm the clown of the show. I've always known that and you know, but I've, I've known I know my role and I'm not trying to be the expert. I know that my role is, you know, to keep it flowing, to keep kind of a bit of fun in the game. I sometimes bring some knowledge into it, but really my role is that and John's is the expert. But John then does have this funny side to himself and he's actually quite funny. And so it works. Our personalities work really well as a team. And I think that's maybe one of the big appeals of the show is that. You know, we have these two people. And, and, you know, I know that there will be people out there who maybe not necessarily like what I bring to the show, but together as a team... You know, it seems to work really well, the, the interaction we have on the show. Like, I think that John and I could probably do a radio show as well because it's, it's just that the personalities that we bring to it mould together to create quite a good dynamic on there. And so, if we either try to do one by ourselves, it prove probably be crap. Well, no, fitness behaviour is <laughs> amazing. <laughs> but if you listen to Fitness Behaviour, I'm like, it's a completely different show. Like, I'm not trying to be the clown at all in that show. I'm trying to be more of the educator, and it's a lot more serious. And so that show is a completely different beast and I imagine when people listen to that they probably go oh this guy actually has got a bit of a brain in him because on this show I do you know like I know my role and my role is to, to do this thing that I do on the show and I'm get you a clown hat from the thanks on. mate yeah great <laughs> um, but you know and but ultimately I think with John and I we just we've got this it just works you know and I think that's
3: one of the real appeals now it kicked off as Iron Man talk but yeah. now there's press ups if you say Iron Man talk and it's IM talk Yeah. Now, that may be a slightly difficult subject approach, but perhaps you could talk us through how that all came about, that change. Well, I'll, I'll start off, but basically, <laughs> basically what happened was, um, <laughs> no, it wasn't anybody's fault. I think actually when
1: we were first starting, I think Bevan had the idea, I think it might have been something like I Am Talker.
0: No, no, I, I always iron I Am mean, I mean, Talker. No, I went Iron Man talk, but then Gordo emailed you, yeah, and you, and you came to me, and, and I said Iron Man talk, and you go, no, well, Gordo reckons WTC will come at us, yeah, and I go, nah, mate, that, you know we'll be just, you know who's gonna know about us, and, <laughs> and hence... um, and so basically it all, it, it all sort of flowed from. Um, I think,
1: but what year did we go to Kona? It was two years ago, so two thousand and nine. Yep. Yep. So we were, I think we were getting ready to go, and then we started getting some some letters from WTC, sort of saying, "Hey, you're not allowed to use this name." Blah blah. blah. And we kind of ignored it all and just sort of yep. brushed it under the carpet. Didn't get that email. <laughs> 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 Damn postal service doesn't work. Um, and then when we got to Kona, you know, we'd applied for um, media accreditation and uh, and it had been approved. And then we got over there and and um, and they wanted us to change our name so it's
0: sort of just some documentation was signed and um, you know it was was one of those battles that maybe if you had a lot of money and you know because you could have maybe fought it and maybe won but you know what it was one of those things that just wasn't really worth our time and and our our energy and the name change you know we already had an audience people were going to move with us and and to be honest you know as much as we signed a contract to say that we'd no longer use that name they were really great in Kona Hmm. they were really great you know like they weren't yeah Jessica she was great like they weren't you know, down on us in a hard way. They were just like, hey look, you know, if you want access to the level that you you know we can give you, um, we need you to do this. And you know, it hasn't restricted the show in any way, shape or form. So it was maybe something of earlier on if we saw we I don't know, I still think there was advantage to us using oh, their name totally. earlier on.
3: Yeah. You know what I mean? So
0: in in some ways, you know, fair
3: enough. Yeah, and perhaps now the the obvious Difference between yourselves and the Ironman Corporation actually helps, gives you a bit more independence and a bit more yep. kind of credibility and yeah. and, and so on. Mm. Um, fat and unfit. I don't know who that is, but that's their name on Facebook. Fat and unfit says, "What do you have planned for the next five years?" Uh, and it says, "And congratulations on five year anniversary. Great effort. Thank you."
1: Um, well I think we, we, I mean, We're mean, we obviously going to Kona this year And um, I'd like to think we can make that A sort of biannual pilgrimage maybe yeah. um, I don't think we want to go every year But that's sort of the plan um, uh, I, I think one of your earlier questions as well Was has anybody approached us to buy us out Certainly not And how could you buy us Because you're really buying us Yeah. So I mean I guess they could buy it and pay us to do it I, I suppose, I don't know But no, nobody's really approached us so, I mean The sponsors that we've got on board, you know, we're stoked with and most of them have been with us for a long time Um, and that potentially could be the only change. A few sponsorship things, we don't want it to become a huge... Commercial thing, which has got radio advertisements all the way through it. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, if we can make if we can make a little bit more out of it, then we can put more effort into it um, every week. So, you know, one thing we discussed this week was um, potentially doing a bit of video stuff. Yeah. Um, but I don't see it changing drastically. We, we like um, the interviews we're getting at the moment, um, and, that, and that seems to always be enjoyed. But we want to make sure that we don't just become an interview show. So, just keep
0: it keep it varied. Yeah, keep it real. I don't know like it is really we don't really have a set plan you know I think the, the thing is, we're, we're commentating On the sport this week, really At the end of the day, you know, what's happening in the sports week And we're, and we're trying to be up to date with the latest trends Of the sport, and so You know, the, really, we, we'll probably just be around You know, in my bedroom you know, <laughs> Keep doing the show, and, and but You know, like it's, you know, like Opportunities, the bigger it gets, obviously, maybe opportunities Will present themselves, and we'll explore those as they come along But at the end of the day, we do try to Base everything on what's good for the listener You know, like everything we do, even we've had Sponsors, like we've had the Navy, the US navy and us army present you know sponsorship stuff to us and and that was just something that we didn't want to do and and we've also had people who wanted to sponsor us and it was just stuff that wasn't relevant to you guys the listeners and so we do try to do what's best for the listener
3: um you know we may not always get that right but we definitely are coming from that place and to look, looking back almost finally looking back over the the last five amazing years what maybe your three biggest highlights the moments where you think not like oh engaging with loads of people or getting around the world but the kind of the three show highlights that you think wow that was great I really enjoyed speaking to that or talking about that or peeing on the bike or whatever it was you know what were the the three highlights for you
1: Um, I think okay one
3: for one Okay, okay, I think peeing on the
1: bike in
0: hindsight I didn't think it was be as big as it, as it was You know what, that was actually like our breakthrough show If we're going to be yeah. really honest about yeah. it Like that was the show where You know, like we, we had, I don't know Probably a 1,000 listeners at that time But, um, you know, we, we had a, a small listenership And then that was just Because it was kind of like the unspoken thing in our sport for some reason it was the subject you don't talk about and just the fact that, we're like, pick on the bike everyone does it, you know, like it's, you know, it wasn't that risque, but for some reason and maybe the way we did it made it humorous but honestly, suddenly our numbers just went through the roof because we talked about being on the bike <laughs> yes. It led us to doing poor on the bike and that wasn't so funny That's what's your one? Highlights, you know what this is going to sound a bit cheesy, but it's often and almost like weekly i kind of sit here and smile and think i'm so lucky that i get to do this like I, I i remember i used to listen to radio shows when i was younger and i remember thinking that the guys were just fake laughing like how can you laugh that much and but really like we are just having a good time yeah. you know what i mean and it's like I, like i think people would think i put on my laugh but i really honestly this time when we're doing this thing it's just so fun and so for me, it's it's just the experience of doing this is one of the biggest highlights. I'll do another one. I remember on
1: that laughter moment one day. I can't actually remember what, the concert, oh. but we got the giggles and we could not stop laughing. We tried to start. For like recording. twenty minutes, eh? Oh, I can't even remember what it was about. Oh, god, we were just in stitches. <laughs> so, um, and we have had, a, had a, a few edits out of the show yep. stuff people haven't heard. Um, yep. But on the whole,
0: it's been. Uh, I have to admit, the Peter Reid interview was a bit of a highlight for me. Um, I liked it when he remembered me yeah exactly <laughs> I think he was lying but still but um, for me that was the first time we had actually approached someone because we got Melina on the show but we knew Melina we knew Gordo but Reid was a real star at that moment and to get him on the show was a, a real coup for us and I remember just thinking you know for me it's sometimes you get those things that actually make you realise how big you are and I'm sure you've experienced this with Marathon Talk when, you know, like you've got some pretty wicked people on your show and and you kind of put it out there and you kind of just you put it out there hoping that it's going to happen. And then when they come back and, oh, yeah, no, I've heard of your show, I'd love to come on. You know, for me, that's, you know... And once we got those first few
1: pros on, then I thought, all of a sudden, hey, we could just approach anybody. Luckily, I knew, you know, because I knew Crowey and Macker and those yeah. guys, that sort of helped and getting that angle. But, like... I mean, we're able to just, like, email Christy and say, hey, do you want to come on the show? And it's like, I don't know whether they've heard of us or not, but we, we don't really get people turning
3: us down. So the odd person hasn't replied, um, but... Who would wish... you like most that you haven't got? Who What's on your what's your wish list? Who's the top of your wish list? Oh, that's a good question.
0: Who is... We haven't had Scott Tindley, and I just feel we should, because we're going to get the big four. Yes. But we haven't really asked them either. I'm no, sure we, we, we haven't. On. Um... I don't know, so some of the European guys, so I don't know what their
1: English is like, you know, um, guys like Luke Van Laird, people like that, um, who are some of the real big hitters, some of the German guys, I mean, I know you had Thomas Howell regal <laughs> I didn't
0: even know who he was, I didn't know he won Kona, so I'm talking to him, I'm going oh mate, yeah, how you going, you know, how'd you go in Kona, he goes, oh, when I won it, I'm going, oh I don't know won it. <laughs> um, so some of
1: the Euro athletes I think it would be good. And uh, yeah, I can't think of too many others
0: else at this stage. Yeah, I think we're fortunate that we've actually got the people we want on. So I don't think there's necessarily too many that maybe sometimes we get some real gurus from other sports, maybe to bring them in. So, you know, maybe get like, I don't know, some amazing runner-on or something. But yeah, I don't think there's too many people who we, don't, who we feel are like out of our reach. Because at the end of the day, for the pros you know this is valuable for them this is exposing them and in a way that's not a magazine because a magazine is really if you write if you read it out it's only a few minutes of content whereas with us they're actually showing who they are and they you know and, and most of our pros are pretty upfront. Mm. you know i'm pretty honest about the sport and where they're at and so you know
3: like for us it's um yeah we're pretty lucky really now I'm sure you you've never paid any of your guests to come on and be interviewed like like we haven't. They come on and they come on and do it for nothing. No, no. Sh- how much would you how much would you pay Lance Armstrong to come and do a to come and do an interview yes, on your I show or would you, would
0: you not? not? One, wouldn't he? Yeah. We can't afford to pay Lance Armstrong. strong. <laughs> when I, was, I was over in Portland. I think Nike's in Portland. I was in Portland a few years ago doing some fitness stuff, and we went to Nike University and it gave us all this free stuff. I was loving it. But they were talking about with Lance at that time just to get an interview with him for about sponsorship. You had to pay like one hundred fifty thousand US mm-hmm. just to get an interview to see if he'd be willing to sponsor you. you know, like he's he's a different level. That guy. You know, if we can make it work, I'm not that intrigued. I th- because he's had so much stuff in the media, I'm not that intrigued. Yeah, but I think we could do a nice angle with Lance because you know if we get the triathlon because he does have the history and he did love triathlons so your Lance would be pretty cool I don't you know if if we could afford to pay it would we pay it no the listeners would pay it that's right you guys would pay for it would you pay for an interview with Lance no no no
3: no No. okay now look I can't let you (laughs) I can't let you let me go without asking you what we always ask our listeners at the our interviews at the end of every interview And that's if you had six months of perfect – this goes to both of you. If you had six months of perfect, perfect training, we looked after your work, we looked after your commitments, we did your show for you, everything. Nice. You weren't going to get injured, you weren't going to get ill, the whole shebang. What would you run one mile in? One mile. Who's going to be the quickest out of the time?
1: I think Bevan would take me, to be honest. Oh, here we go. I'd have quite a bit of confidence he'd take (laughs) me. But I figure – when I was training for the Auckland Marathon, I was in about 16-minute 5K pace. So I was sort of running at, what, 3-minute three, three 12 per K. So I'm picking I probably could have knocked out a, a sub-3-minute KOK. Okay. Um, so what does that convert to a mile? Three, four and a half. Um, look, I don't think I'd be... If I had 440... No, hold on, what am I? 445, I don't any, anything under sub-5, I'd be... Happy with? I'm, I'm. really not very fast on so short distances. I really think Bevan had absolutely cane me.
0: Well, I do seem to because my, my fitness world is based on intensity. So I do seem to be able to hold a short intensity for a short period of time. But
3: I don't, I, oh, I don't know. I, I think I'd be I, I think I'd be a good race for. Come James on, this I is know. your this is your chance. This oh, is your yeah, chance, yeah, man, I to think Take three, down John. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd look at the Jack Daniel. I don't know what the Jack Daniels
1: formula would tell me. I should run, but um, yeah, I think anything. I know five minutes is not a particularly quick mile, but I don't think I'd be um.
0: Much under five minutes. If you had six months to absolutely
3: smack uh, it, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe a little faster. So maybe getting down. Perhaps that's one for your listeners. get get the listeners to like, say who would, who would win. Who would win out week. of a mile discussion yeah. of the week? Who would win over a mile out of you two?
0: Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, it would be interesting. I,
3: yeah, if I was to train specifically for a K,
1: because I'm more into my K's than miles, um, <laughs> then I would say 2:55, uh, something like that. I don't think I'd be much quicker than that. Yeah.
3: 254 256 for you there Bevan
0: okay there we go I'll take that
3: 254 Bevan. <laughs> no either side which one 254 or 256 okay. I'll take I'll take what do you want me to take you're quicker than 54 there. I'll take okay. 54 no, I'll take taking there. him down I'll good work yeah. I'm going to win the trophy. good work well look <laughs> guys <laughs> thanks for inviting me on the show this week and at the end of your five years it's been an amazing journey I can't wait to share the next five years with you thanks awesome. mate
0: thanks, man. thanks mate sponsor that was a great interview those guys are really nice It's very good I'm going to start listening to them oh, no, they, oh, I don't know they're us, but, <laughs> uh, us. No. but those guys they, they, they're, they're a really good show. I've
1: downloaded a few of the podcasts haven't listened to them yet um, I guess good but gotten, one there, one. the reason I've downloaded is because I've got my iPod sorted now oh good and so I've reset everything good sponsor so, John good.
0: sponsor Athlinks
1: Athletes, our second longest running sponsor of the show again as we said before without them we wouldn't still be here so we need you guys to consistently support them it's bloody straightforward you just get on there Put your calendar events in there. Keep your results in there.
0: Great way to place to keep Write all your your diaries results. after your races. Do all your stuff. Keep in contact. Put a good photo on there so when John and I look at you, you look hot. Athlinks.com and, uh... so, and we, love to, we do like to see what
1: races people are doing that are coming up. So, as Bevan said, put a photo up there and if you ever... Donate to the show. Make sure you've got a photo up there and because that's, sometimes we go on there and that yeah. helps
0: us give people names. I don't, yes. but John does. If, John, if you get John to pick your name, you'll begin to look at your links photo. So links.com. I know we're flying through our sponsors and sponsors, we love you, so it's not that we don't love you, it's just the banging <laughs> could be a little bit annoying. Yes. <laughs> so links.com, check it out. Remember, they've supported us. The only reason the show's happens is because of the people are supporting us. So thank you, links.com. John, second interview. Bit of music. Chuck and bit of music again. Second interview, we've got a quick interview. It's only about ten minutes long with a guy called Grant.
1: Yeah, I got his name. Kaniki Right, That's um, pretty good. Challenge Cape Town.
0: Here we go, here's Grant. Right.
1: Righty ho, um, today we've got Grant Kaniki, hopefully I've pronounced that right, he's the man behind the new challenge race that we announced last week, Challenge Cape Town, um, the course looks pretty spectacular, but we obviously want to hear the ins and outs of the course and how everything's going to go, um, so welcome along to show Grant.
2: Cheers guys, thanks. So
1: tell us a bit. Obviously, you've um, you launched a show last week. I mean, not the show last week, the the race <laughs> last week. Um, part of the challenge series, which we're all familiar with. We've done Wanaka and Rote and you know they've got so many other great races around the world. Um, tell us about a bit about um, sort of coming up with the race and and what gave you the idea and, and your background.
2: Uh, you know, I had a pretty you know sort of spectacular introduction into this. You know, it was a couple of years back where I was at one of the races and there's this old guy at half past 10 running. And I thought this, did a quick time check and thought there's no chance this guy's going to make it. So um, I just went up to him. I mean, I was in baggies and flip flops and in a backpack at half past 10 on Sunday. And I said, look, you know, <laughs> can I run with you? And um, he said, for sure. And so we ended up running, I think it was 12 Ks together. I ran the whole thing barefoot. And... um he, yeah, it was pretty crazy. I got to know him. He spoke more than anything. I kept trying to tell him, I think you really should keep quiet and concentrate on the run. But um, nonetheless, long story short, by the time he got onto the red carpet, there were over 40 people following us, and he missed it by five meters, so um, five seconds. And um, Yeah, so that kind of sort of made an indelible impression on me. And I bumped into him afterwards and just said, you know, thanks, this has kind of changed just everything. Um, And he turned around and said, I'm sorry for letting you down. So that was kind of the beginning of um, the journey, coupled with in the background, I had a couple of ideas on, you know, the whole relay thing. And I was quite keen on. Iron distance relay. And um, so I was all pumped up, got back to Europe, couldn't get in anywhere. And, you know, all these paths led, led me to Felix. And and uh, that's kind of how the whole thing really started. And i always had this idea it had to be in the heart of Cape Town. It was always just from day one, regardless of the other story with the old guy, I'd had this idea with the relays that had to be in the heart of the city. And, you know, Cape Town's never had a triathlon in the heart of the city. So it is a first. And um, wow. it's why. <laughs> We fought really, really hard to get that because to deliver that vision has been incredibly difficult, but it's giving us something that is quite, you know, unique and spectacular.
1: So, tell us a bit about the course, then.
2: Uh, the course, it's, as I said, it starts in the heart of Cape Town. It's the swim section is adjacent to the Victoria and Alfred Waterfront. You know, is pretty famous waterfront. Uh, we start out there. It's a single 3.8 um, one lap swim. Uh, we got cooler waters there. It's not the warmest swim, but it's a fantastic swim. You swim out, um, sort of in the direction of Robin Island, in in the direction of whatever um, a suburb in Cape Town called Bloberg Strand. Then you turn and you swim towards the end of the harbour wall, and you return back on that. You drop your wetsuit then for you know for the bicycle. So we have T1 right at the the slipway there. And from there, you head out straight into town, and then right at the top in front of the mountain, what we call Deval Drive. Then you'll be wrapping right around the back of the mountain where we'll be going uh, up to Kirstenbosch, which is a very famous uh, botanical gardens. But you ride adjacent to the mountain, some fantastic climbs there. Turning down into Constantia Winelands, which is it's the oldest winelands in Cape Town, absolutely stunning. And we start taking on uh, some historical accounts past Polsmo prison where Nelson Medela spent some time in prison after his uh, release from Robben Island. He then stayed in Polsmo for a bit and uh, from there out towards Muesenberg. And again, a little bit more of a, a different cultural perspective is we're going to be going towards Mitchell's Plain and uh, Kyle uh not into the areas, but adjacent to them. Just, you know, we're really looking to open the race up to all, you know, the full spectrum of South Africans, which is a first, uh, certainly for, you know, a um, triathlon in South Africa. And it's added a completely different uh, flavor to the whole race, which I'm super, super excited about. And then we go back onto the Cape Peninsula, you know, which is a national park, right down to the tip of the peninsula. And we head back through uh, How Bay, Camps Bay, towards um, back into the center of town. And then we swap bike for running shoes to head up. A, it's a reasonably tough hill. It's pretty famous in Cape Town called Kloof Neck. But the reward is this absolutely gorgeous view of Camps Bay when you get to the top. And you'll be dropping down and then doing two laps along the Atlantic seaboard.
1: So back to the, um, the swim, because I know, because I've raced in Cape Town before, when you say it's cool, um, you know, you've obviously got the, the warmer side of, the, of Cape Town and then the cooler side. What sort of temperatures are we sort of looking at for the swim, roughly?
2: Uh temps will be anything from 14 up to 16 17 degrees but more likely to be around about 14 15 so um it's manageable we, look we're going to be having thicker neoprene caps um or neoprene caps or thicker you know rubberized caps um, we're going to be offering the guys where they can be working with our partner speeder on uh, where they can for the guys who really if they think it's that cold they can then wear skin gloves, those sort of things but it's a manageable swim it's not, you know, there's this big famous Robin Island swim here where the guys do all of this you know, in 11 degrees and a speedo <laughs> suit so um, it's it, it's cold but it's not unmanageable, there's other races around which are in, of the same
1: In terms of the bike, you obviously say it's challenging but it's comparable to you know can you compare it to any other sort of challenge race or ironman race around the world in terms of how hard the bike is because i did look on the on the the profile it does look a bit up and down but i mean obviously people always want to know how hard that would be so um have you got any sort of races you could say it's comparable to obviously it's not not a a rope which is flat wanaka which is a bit undulating or say lanzarote which is which is incredibly hilly where would you sort of place it
2: I I would say it sits between a Lanza and and Henley to be honest um, you know Henley is quite a tough course you know the Chilterns it's, it's over 2,000 feet and I've, I've ridden enough times you know enough times around there to know uh, so that's quite a great course on that so I think it sits between that and the extremity of Lanza. so you know there's three really uh, tough hills on there but two of them are absolutely stunning and they come with their own reward so i don't you know it's not an impossible course and i have to say we've had fantastic feedback the relay especially on relay people have been loving it just because it's challenging individually but um certainly on the solo side we've had fantastic response the guys loving the course look for our from our point of view. You know, my objective really was to give the athlete the very best course we could in Cape Town, and I feel we've achieved that. Um, hey, um, what was know, the typical
0: weather at that time of year?
2: It's, it's, it's warm. It's coming into the warmer sections, but it's not the time where in February, March, April, where Cape Town's sitting at 30 to 40 degrees and you're absolutely <laughs> dying. It's it's in a nice we call it the secret season, where it's not too windy, it's 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 warm but not caking hot. So it's it's actually a perfect time for us. And so, so it's a bit of a mindset change obviously for the Safas in that it's you know a bit of training through the winter, but it's I must admit, everybody said it's fantastic now. They can take a little bit of time off, and they've got something now to work towards. And it's a complete opposite course to, obviously, what the guys know in Port Elizabeth, which is, you know, that's a pretty fast and furious flat race. This is, but more rough and tough, and um, but comes with an absolute, well, uh, not because it's uh, uh, my race, but because I really do think it sits among some of the most stunning scenery. Um, around you know,
1: totally. I mean, obviously, I've, as I said, I've been to Cape Town before. And I'm sure it is. It's pretty spectacular. I mean, uh, some people obviously, when they think of going over to South Africa, that you know, there is sometimes a concern about safety and things like that. Is that a concern? I mean, um, um, for people who haven't been over there, I didn't have any dramas at all when I was over there. But um, is there any precautions people should consider?
2: No, I think, you know, uh, we seem to still have this tag, even after the World Cup, you know, I think Cape Town has this phenomenal reputation for putting on exceptional events, you know, it puts on the biggest, you know, the biggest time cycle, you know, race in the world, which is 35,000 athletes, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, it's, it's off, it's off the scales on how amazing this race is, and, um, uh, we, You know, we've got another big one called the Two Oceans Marathon, which is, again, that sort of ilk of numbers, 35,000. You know, so Cape Town, you know, it's what people don't know is it plays, you know, it plays with some pretty big events, and it's very careful about how it goes about it. That's why, you know, <laughs> it's just about killed me trying to get to this point, but um, I'm very stoked that, you know, they're very careful about and making sure that we work with the right people to deliver, you know, a really safe event. Uh, it's a tough course and we've got experience with that, you know, in working with the city and the various other partners we have Yeah, But safety, absolutely not. It's the most welcoming city um, you know you really get the full culture of South Africa you can do so many things before and after it's from wine tasting to adventure you know mountain climbing to so many different things um, it's a safe place you know honestly
1: we've um, we've just had an interview ourselves with um, a guy called Tom Williams who went, um, from Marathon Talk and he was talking about coming down to do the Comrades, so you've got the Cape Epic, you've just mentioned a couple of other races there. What is it about South Africa in terms of having these ridiculously huge mass participation (laughs) events that are very challenging, but why is it so successful there? Is it mostly SAFAs doing them, or is it um, a lot of people coming from, you know, percentage-wise making up those fields? Because they're just, they're huge.
2: Yeah, it's... You know that was part of really my challenge when I came and presented this vision. It was really to create the third sporting jewel in Cape Town's crown. Now that's a pretty bold statement on any account. You know, um, given you know the two races I've just explained, and you've just mentioned the Epic, which I was at, I think was last weekend. You know, it's it's a phenomenal place to do things. I don't know, there's something in our mindset which is geared towards endurance, you know, it's there is something embedded in South African psyche which is you know, I don't, don't think it's too dissimilar from you guys, you know, but on a mass participation scale, it's I don't know if it's a bravado thing or what it is, but that gets these people out in numbers you know, they come out of the woodwork from these tiny little towns where they're all done up in their shirts, you know, we from Crawford <laughs> and and, uh, and I think to put things on, certainly in uh, South Africa, you've got to think that way. Well, certainly, I, I think, A, the location demanded it, the vision I had for it. And, you know, clearly, Felix expects a lot, you know, challenges, you know, comes with a big reputation. And um, we certainly want to do the very best to ensure that keeps, um, you know, going strong and, you know, uh, and develops further.
1: Awesome. I'll, if people want to get online, find out more about it, what's your website?
2: It's challengecape dot com. One word. Um, we've tried to keep things very simple. Just, you know, obviously the route's all on there. You can enter straight away if you, if the route's inspiring you enough to do that. Um, you know, all the other details and stuff on rules and regs, which is fairly common throughout the challenge family um, and generally nine distance. That that will all follow later. So we've just tried to keep. Uh, we've got early bird specials going on now, which are two hundred uh, sorry two thousand nine hundred ninety rand that includes a top which you'll get for that um, and a very very funky um, handmade uh, African medal it's nice. all been made out of beads it's yeah, it's quite unique we're really trying to put um, our own stamp on this so we, we're working very very hard at that the medal is just the beginning of a number of other little tricks we got up our sleeve
1: and, and the race is going to be in the end of November isn't it 6th of
2: November, Sunday 6th of November cool. yeah
1: so if people want to enter, get on to ChallengeCapeTown.com, another race in the series, which we love. And um, awesome.
0: Grant, thanks very much for your time. Yeah, good luck.
2: Cheers. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Last
0: sponsor and Stream Endurance. So, what was I going to say about extreme
1: endurance? So obviously, I have one of our newest sponsors on board, but we just seem to be at the moment getting consistent feedback from people um, echoing, firstly, what we echoing. have been saying, echoing, echo, especially this room, echo, echo. what we've been saying about having less muscle pain, but also um, the customer service. You know, they just keep, people keep saying if they're out of the zone and they get in touch with them, that they just seem to really look after them. So, again. That, uh, we're going to echo our comments. We've been echoing in the echoey room all it's, day long. It's a banging echo. It's really, you know, this free show. We've been going for five years. We need you guys to support sponsors because um, But you
0: know what? What problem. I am going to say, and this is a feedback we get from the sponsors from, you know, from Coffees of Hawaii, from App Links, and from Extreme Endurance, is that the reason they're sponsoring the show is because you guys are supporting them. And and you know what? Thank you so much for doing that because, you know, it's it's the little things that you're, the actions you guys are taking are helping us it a great show so thank you very much for supporting our sponsors over the last five years xendurance.com so sponsors are Um, they've, they've supported us coffeesway.com they've supported us and extreme endurance you know what John they've supported us <laughs> they've supported us
1: I was going to have a new section this week in the show um, but I'm going to save that till next week because I was going to do a big build up one thing I just want to bring up is if you're in Christchurch or anywhere in the remote Jesus, region.
0: You've got the John
1: section. Yeah, yeah it's my new super special section. <laughs> it's all um, promoting your it's, It is. <laughs> um, it's it's 40 minutes of John promotion. RiseUpChallenge.co.nz is my new event that um, is going to be in Christchurch. It's a team-based event, and that's it.
0: I've just put in the Bevan section.
1: What's the been section?
0: Well, this week, I, uh, for my fitness behavior podcast, I did one on focus, and I'm getting so many emails from athletes saying they really enjoyed it. So what I've done is I've done it as a YouTube clip as well. Nice. So I'll put that YouTube clip on www.iamtalk.me, and it's a talk I do for around 20 minutes to learn how you can keep your focus on the objective of the goal that you're training towards when you're training mm-hmm. It's, it's, there's some tools in there which can really help you if you are trying to make sure you get the most out of your sessions so check it out I'll put that on imtalk.me okay John let's wrap it up yeah, wrap it up um, what's your goss? I haven't got any gossip, Bevan <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> my, my kids did uh, a ra- race at the weekend did Tiddler's multi Sport and um, they don't run as fast in races as they do in training
0: Oh no, you have to train them into that. So I've got
1: to train them into that. But as they, you need loved, the carrot, you need it. the thing that to... I do. I should run away with lollies and like, yeah. chase them down. But there was a lot of fun. So they run, little run, and then they run up a bouncy castle and they run down and run along, and they were loving it. And they got their little medal at the end, so it's all good. Good. And other than that,
0: that's my world this week, Bevan. Yeah, you I'm getting renovations done at my house right now. I'm getting new carpet and all the bedrooms, and then the kitchen is just a mess, isn't it? Yes, the kitchen is brilliant. But the thing is, John. We're staying in the studios the house not, we're I? not buying the house oh dear i oh know broke our heart yeah house of our dreams we got the builder's report done got the engineers cost it it cost is like two grand we have yeah. to walk away from it but um it was just a bit too risky for our liking it was built in a time in new zealand there's a time in new zealand where they had this thing called leaky homes which basically meant the way that the houses were designed it made it susceptible to leaks in the house mm. and this house was built a little bit before that time but it was still built with the materials and some of the way they built houses at the time just makes the house quite risky <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're, we're not allowing the house which is really heartbreaking oh dear, yeah. a shame. which means the studios will be here for a bit longer maybe another five years maybe anyway John I think we're going to wrap it up it's been an amazing five years guys you know everything we've done is because you guys have supported us along the way we really do appreciate you know, the emails you send us, the support you give us. You know, if, if we're going to do quick highlights, the fundraiser for Christchurch mm-hmm, was great. absolutely phenomenal. The Kona trips, yep. you know, Camp Kia Kaha, you know, the emails we get all the time. You know, this show is absolutely amazing because you guys, you know, make it what it is. So we really appreciate your support and everything you do. And we're going riding now. I'm back, back That's to, to my like old days, mate. It's Remember like we used to ride course. before the show? Exactly. Iron Russ. mean I Train hard. Train smart. Kia Kaha.